Chapter Nine of the Typewriter Girl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Typewriter Girl by Grant Allen. Chapter Nine. I play Carmen. St. George joined tact to his chivalry. When we pulled up at the station, he handed us both out, unloaded our iron steeds, raised his hat with an amicable smile, and then, before we had time to thank him, cracked a merry whip and drove away hurriedly my bandaged condition forbade me even to grasp his hand he vanished into the past and was once more a phantom i never saw him again yet i have always been grateful to that brief vision of a knight who saved me for one moment from a passing dragon if peradventure he happened to read these words will he accept my thanks for it on the platform as chancellor of my own exchequer i had time to bring in my private budget it showed an obvious deficit had i been leader of the opposition i could have risen with scorn from the front bench and subjected it to a scathing nay a crushing criticism in plain words i saw that i had not money enough to pay my way back to london to take a dog ticket for the commissioner and also to carry my bicycle with me zone fifty one shilling this collision had proved even more disastrous to my finances than to my hands two courses were now open to me i must cloak-room my machine with little chance of redeeming it or else resolve to spend the residue of my days at holmwood the latter alternative being the more original of the two naturally i made up my mind to adopt it i felt so poor and desolate that i looked for the police to step in and disperse me i won't go up to town i said curtly to michaela i will spend the night here i said the night only instead of my life lest she should suspect me of exaggeration to my vast surprise this resolution which i fancied of no importance to any one save myself threw my companion into a tremor of anxiety then i can't go either she cried wetting her lips with fear if you stop i must stop with you and telegraph up for my father i stared at her in astonishment why so i asked at last why because because of this dreadful murder what murder i inquired reverting instinctively to leon and his lips she stared in turn you must have heard of it she exclaimed it has been in all the papers i remembered that at pinfold we had been too much absorbed by the future of europe and the affair of the new glass-house ever to trouble our minds with what chanced to be happening in the mere provincial world of london so i assured her i knew naught of it she went on to explain to me that a woman had been found killed in a first-class carriage stabbed to the heart and stuffed under the seat only three days before i dare not travel alone she said clasping her hands and opening her blue eyes wide do please come with me this forced me to explain my financial position my new friend declared that that did not matter might she lend me a sovereign a sovereign i gasped at the idea of such wealth but i had further to make it clear that my chance of repaying it was a vanishing quantity she listened to my explanation with open-mouthed astonishment i think she had never heard of such poverty before in one of her own sort though to me it was commonplace but you must let me lend it to you she said 
drawing out the daintiest little lizard-skin purse I have ever seen. Or rather, you must let me pay you for the harm I have done to your bicycle, and the difficulty I have brought upon you. That is only fair. I ought to settle for your ticket up to town and for the mending. I was compelled to confess my duplicity had failed. It was more my fault than yours, I faltered out. I was reckless in my pace. You were mounting a slight rise with the wind against you. I was descending, and had it in my favour. If anybody is to blame, it is I. Pray, pray forgive me. She insisted in spite of me. I shall take two first-class tickets. My democratic gorge rose. Never, I cried firmly, St. Nicholas forfend. Not in my palmiest and most unregenerate days did I travel first class. If you consent to take two-thirds, I will owe you for the amount. You can give me your address, and whenever I am rich enough I will repay you all. I have sufficient of my own to buy a ticket for my dog and bicycle. It went against the grain with me to receive this favour from a stranger unseen till to-day, but I recognised that there was no help for it. She took the tickets under protest. Such dreadful people travel third, drunken soldiers and sailors. Brave defenders of our country, I answered, remembering my father's profession. It's thank you, Mr. Atkins, when the band begins to play. The liquid blue eyes stared at me in blank amazement. Rudyard Kipling, one could see, was a sealed book to her. I think she had doubts of my perfect sanity. Perhaps you share them. We arranged for our maimed mounts. I hold it one of the best points of a bicycle as compared with the noble animal, that it considerably refrains from wringing your heart in the matter of sympathy. It has no nerves. The train panted into the station. We explored an empty carriage, free from the contamination of soldiers and sailors, drunk or sober, and started off comfortably. Michaela took the precaution to peer under the seats beforehand. I am not sure which of the two she expected to find, a corpse or a murderer. This is nice, she said at last, smiling, and recovering her spirits for the first time since the collision. We shall have the carriage to ourselves all the way to Victoria. I gave the guard half a crown. I couldn't travel with a man. I should be quite too frightened. Some devil entered into me. I am subject to devils. My new acquaintance was so insipidly fair, so medievally shrinking, while I am dark and modern, that I had an irresistible impulse to play Carmen to her Michaela. Have you reflected, I said dryly, that a woman may have committed that murder? It was heartless of me, I admit. My little companion was so timid and shrinking, but the bolt fell flat. She clasped her hands and looked at me. I never thought of that, she said. How dreadfully clever you must be to discover it. Dreadful as well as clever. But I am sure you are not a murderess. She had a trick of emphasizing one word in each sentence. You are a great deal too nice. You behaved so sweetly about the ticket, you know, and the accident. Anyone else in your place would have pretended it was my fault and made me pay for the damages. That was only common honesty, I objected. Murderers need not be deficient in common honesty. Oh, but they must be awful people. Murderers are not a class, said I. 
they are you and me acting under pressure of powerful impulses she glanced at me more amazed than frightened i know you would not murder me she replied less alarmed than i might have expected you are so kind though you are so queer i feel quite safe in your hands with those honest eyes i am certain you would not hurt me i could have crept under the seat i felt such a brute i took her two small hands in my bandaged palms you dear little thing i exclaimed nobody could ever hurt you then seven other devils entered into me again worse than the first ones and i could not help adding though if i wanted to murder this is a unique opportunity my bleeding hands and the evidence about the bicycle accident would suffice to account for any number of blood-stains still to stuff you under the seat would be bad taste and vulgar she caught my eye and laughed what a funny girl it is she cried you are so comical but it isn't the least use your trying to frighten me i can see the twinkle in your big black eyes and i like you in spite of your trying to be horrid do you know i liked you from the first moment i saw you twas impossible not to be taken by such charming childishness she cooed so prettily one was forced to love her before we reached victoria we were fast friends michaela thought me the queerest person she had ever met but oh so nice her tongue was loosed she told me a great deal about what a dear fellow she was engaged to she spoke of him as toto she also wanted to lend me a pound but i sternly refused i must work out my own salvation in fear and trembling this biblical trick descends to me no doubt from the pilgrim fathers michaela gave me her card at clapham junction miss allardyce it said and begged me to call upon her i was driven to explain that in the rank of life to which i now belonged people did not call upon one another more particularly that the jews of onslow gardens i am dropping into it again had no dealings with the soho samaritans michaela dissented from this finding her position was that a lady was a lady i granted the truth of that identical proposition but flatly disallowed that all ladies had time for calling i also pointed out that my first consideration was bread which brought tears again into her tender blue eyes we parted the best of friends we even kissed one another though i am an infrequent kisser she thanked me mightily for my company which made me feel small again for i had upset her nerves broken her machine and borrowed some shillings which i scarcely dared to hope i might have the luck to repay her however i took her address and added one small square to the mosaic design with which i am paving my possible future residence End of chapter nine